You're listening to the Farmyard Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? And our Patreon supporters. Episode 43, Activated Water, with host Linda Borgie and guest Evan Folds. Well, hello there. Linda Borgie here from Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? How are you? This is our last and final week of our 30-day Grow It, Don't Mow It campaign. 30 days to a garden of your very own, right? And this is week four, and this week it's all about water. And the title of this podcast is Activated. Activated Water. Isn't that pretty phenomenal? Just those two words together. Isn't that odd? activated water. Well, we're going to talk about all kinds of water. And I have once again brought on an expert and his name is Evan Folds and he is farmyard soil doctor. And he happens to have water really pegged. I think he does anyway. What do you think, Evan? Do you think you got it down pat water? Oh, no. No, 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 huh? You don't think so, huh? But is not something you figure out. Listen, is it water? Is it water just water? Oh well, that's the trick of it, right? It's we've got one word for it. That's where activated water, the the term came from. There's, you know, you can say living water or structured water, but we've really never seen water molecules. So uh, I, I like the term activated water because it it, it essentially uh, illustrates the idea that water can can work in ways uh, better than it is for you. You can regenerate water in ways that are, are accomplished in natural systems automatically, but that can be very deliberate. Interesting. Activated. Activated. So how would how would one activate water? Well, there's uh, a lot of different ways to do that. Um, okay. You. You know, if you look into the work of Dr. Masura Omoto, you can do it with intention. Um, ah. He was the guy that turned me on to it and that What the Bleep Do They Know uh, movie documentary from years ago. And that's the first time I ever really had the thought that water was, you know, more than just being wet. Right. And and I, I he actually took images of the crystalline structure uh, created in water being frozen before and after prayer or exposure to different types of music. Uh, it's really fascinating. And um, even to the extent of saying, I love you and I hate you to the same source of, of, of different samples of, of water. And uh, it's quite striking the results that he got. So, you know, intention would be one way. Um, you could do it through magnetism. Um, magnetism. And, yeah. And then, you know, there's different uh, techniques in regards to how you set the magnets up to make the most influence and it, you know, one of the difficult uh, things about this subject is the ability to create data around uh, what's better or worse in terms of the, the quality of the water. Uh, you, it, it's really a, a qualitative thing or an anecdotal thing or a results-driven thing. You know, I've, I've uh, you know, worked with activated water through implosion, which is another way of accomplishing it, uh, such as, you know, the reason a river meanders or wave curls. You know, you down a drain, you don't make a vortex, you allow it. That's how water wants to move. So, you know, if you take advantage of these principles and kind of ask the question, what does water want? 
well, you, you allow the water to regenerate itself on a way that it can work better for you. And so if you, you know, apply these principles in a commercial growing operation that has an idea of how much water they use over time, you can save anywhere from 30, sometimes up to 50% of the water that you would normally need to use. And not only that, reduce the amount of inputs you need to get the result that, that you want. Um, so it's cost effective and it's efficient as well. Very interesting. Really very interesting. Well, now now let's take it down to the level of a yard farmer, right? What would what would a yard farmer uh I mean, is it better to water with activated water than it would be to not use activated water? What would some of the applications be for a yard farmer using a- a- activated water? Well, I think it's fair to say that in terms of the essence of activated water, it's always better to use activated water. The, 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 the difficult part of that is to determine when you have it and when you don't, if you're unconscious about it. Um, mm-hmm. An easy way to think about that is, you know, I would consider rainwater to be activated water. You know, uh, it's unadulterated towards filtration and the chemicals that we tend to add to municipal water systems or that you might find in a well. Um, so, you know, that, that's, in the, you know, that's one way into the conversation. It's fairly well known that rainwater is, is more desirable than, than regular water. People notice growth benefits in, in plants. It's pretty well documented. Um, so, you know, anytime that you can access rainwater is a good thing. Um, you know, the only good thing about city municipal water is it's consistently bad. Uh, so <laughs> you know what you're going to get at least, you know? And it's probably not going to kill anything directly, but it's definitely not working for you on a lot of different ways. You know, we spent just on the kind of activated waterfront, we send water through straight pipes and right angles, and we don't respect the way that water moves. And there was a man named Victor Schauberger that did uh, a lot of intuitive and literal work. He had many patents. Uh, there's a book called Living Energies by Callum Coates that is phenomenal in regards to the technical nature of, of his uh, life's work. He was known as the water wizard. And uh, he championed the concept of implosion and basically implosive energies being regenerative uh, and explosive energies being destructive. And if you look across how energy is used in the world, it's pretty uncanny how true that is. Um, you know, so he, he intuited that being a forester in Austria, he spent you know, months at a time in the, in the woods by himself and created a relationship with water and saw how it moves in streams and how you know, fish would stand still in a moving current and how, you know, an eagle might spiral to, to catch the fish in the water and all sorts of different uh, kind of universal themes towards the spiral and um, built technologies that uh, represented that intuition and uh, amazing stories. He, this one real quick, he built a log flume for the, the uh, I think it was the king and the queen of Austria at the time. And they, we didn't have heavy machinery. And he imagined that if he built this flume that followed the, the lay of the river and he used the temperature of water, that the density carrying capacity of water is highest at 39.2 degrees. There's a lot of anomalies in water. We could be here for days talking about mm-hmm. it. But essentially, he, had, he, he con- conditioned or activated the water to such an extent that it could move and it moved these huge logs through this log flume. And it took him a year to build it. And it's amazing to think about. And, you know, there came a point at which they turned it on to see if it worked and it did. So that that was kind of what made him famous uh, in Europe. And he went on to he actually ended his life in uh, Austin, Texas, and the U.S. government 
kind of swallowed a lot of the technology that he built. And there's a lot of it we don't know about. What we do in Callum Coates' book comes from his grandson. So it's quite a fascinating story. Um, but, you know, it's, you, you can build contraptions. You know, I, I've built many compost tea brewers that have vortex style implosion aspects to it. And, you know, one of your favorite things maybe you could talk about is stirring water back and forth in, in a vessel kind of along the lines of biodynamic agriculture and what Rudolf Steiner suggested doing for the preparations. That's a very accessible way of doing it. Uh, so I'd, I'd say there's a number of different ways that you could access it as a homeowner. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my experience of stirring the biodynamic preparations now, it's over three decades, has always really been a very meditative, perfect time for me. I really feel that everyone should experience, you know, a bucket in between their legs and while you're stirring in one direction and then stirring in the other direction and then stirring in the other direction for one hour holding intention. Filling that water, filling that vessel, that water with that intention because water has memory. It has memory. So it remembers. So because you're there focused, right, stirring in one direction, then stirring in the other direction, planting these seeds of intention, right, that has really, in my experience, has uh, uh, made a difference of night and day because what it produced, quote unquote, um, was not really physically possible, honest to goodness. It really wasn't. Uh, through those actions of stirring those biodynamic preparations, in six months, uh, a, a quartzite mountainside went from hard pan to humus with a full crop of heirloom tomatoes pre-sold to a restaurant and paid for across the other side on the other side of the river in Rhinebeck, New York with with worms the size of small eels. So it's like Dr. Emoto's work, I believe, as well. You know, it's about applying, you know, the intention and you know, we have to use our heads for more than a hat rack. We have to expand that to not just setting intention to water, right, but setting setting intention to the earth beneath your feet. Like I said in the in a um, you know in a, a, a podcast earlier, water, earth. It's about intention. So I really feel that water is just such an interesting, and I call it a character, because when I sit there to stir for an hour, right? By the time I'm done with my stir, that water has changed viscosity physically. Physically. So I that's how I judge if I pumped it up enough, you know? And not knowing principles of water or implosion or any of it, but, but it just makes sense. Uh, Evan, you know... I, I really would love for you, uh, as soon as we take this break for our, our commercial interruption uh, for our sponsor, I would love for you to describe how water gets wetter. Mm. Right? Very Good. interesting concept, folks. So please stand by. We'll be back with you in a sec. My name is Henrietta, and the Raising Chickens in Your Backyard online course 
will help you learn about caring for your own backyard chickens. Chris Itterman of the Farmyard team is the course designer, cameraman, and narrator, but us chickens are the real teachers. This easy online course is designed to help you get started. By the end of the course, you will understand our normal behaviors, housing issues, and how to care for us chickens. By watching our routines, listening to our language, and hearing explanations and stories, you'll be able to make decisions on how you want to develop your own chicken lifestyle. If you're considering starting your own backyard flock, but you're still a little anxious about what you're about to get yourself into, this is the course for you. If you use the coupon in the show notes, it's just 10 clucks. I mean bucks. There are no requirements to enroll, but please bring a sense of humor and adventure to the class. Check out the show notes and enroll today. Water gets wetter. What a silly thing. How could water get wetter? Water's just wet, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it just wet? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the common conception and that it hydrates. And, you know, I think a deeper articulation of water, you discover that, you know, water is, is probably the most complex substance on Earth. It also happens to be, you know, the most obvious, which allows us to take it for granted. Um, so, you know, as far as an explanation in that, um, you know, it's, it's, all, it's one of those, you know, you ask me, do I have a good handle on water? Well, the further I look, the less that I, I know. Uh, you know I, I read the book, The Fourth Phase of Water by Dr. Cheryl, Gerald Pollock, which I would highly recommend. And, uh, you know, he, he asked some really penetrating and amazing questions in that book. And part of what was so interesting to me was his foray into the, the history of water research. And, it, you know, if you think about it, water is the worst control ever. It, it's the universal solvent. And in the scientific method approach of modern popular science, you have to replicate uh, the, the experiment in order for it to be relevant and, and championed as truth in the scientific world. And that involves, like, if you, if you introduce a publication uh, request to the journal Nature, well, they're going to look at your data and then they're going to send out a team of people from their organization to replicate your experiment in, in their own lab and in your lab. And then four other people have to replicate that experiment for it to be peer reviewed. So what happens is to cut to the chase, like you're doing an experiment where you isolate H2O that only really happens in, in a vacuum in lab conditions. It doesn't happen anywhere in nature. Water is trying to fill its electrical potential. So, you know, this idea of water picking things up, it made the Grand Canyon, right? I mean, that's what it does. So if you've isolated H2O and been successful in that and you store it in these capillary tubes to perform, perform your experiment, well, it's going to pick up silica from the glass. And the replicated experiment is going to pick that silica up in its analysis, and that's a contaminant, according to the experiment. And therefore, all of the research is thrown out. So that, in a nutshell, is why water research has never really been championed by any of the, the great minds of science. The Russians in the 50s knew the, the anomalies of water and, and what Pollock is bringing forward and the French in the 70s. But some of the greatest minds of, of those generations basically lost their life's work because of this anomalous nature of water. So, you know, I think I've seen reference to over 90 different parameters of water that can be measured or manipulated. So it's an extremely uh, complicated, but a really simple way of thinking about it to your to your point of, you know, how do you make wetter water is, you know, to think about it in terms of surface tension. You know, most people are familiar with uh, 
the water striders on a lake or, you know, uh, the meniscus of a glass, um, you know, water kind of has this polarity that, that allows it to hug itself, that the negative oxygen attracts the positive hydrogen. It's called hydrogen bonding. And, and so that surface tension, if, uh, if high is creates what people call, uh, cl water clusters. So, you know, the idea is that when you implode water, for example, or you condition it and activate it in some way, as, as we're speaking about, uh, you can measurably decrease the surface tension in water through these different methods, which is just a simple way of, of kind of saying it's, it's making the water wetter. It's making it more accessible, really the way I like to think about it, to living cells, which is really the point of water in terms of hydration capacity. It's, it needs to get into the cell and out of the cell to deliver the oxygen and the nutrition and take away the toxin and scrub the cell and create the, the healthy hydration of, of the organism as a whole. So in, in concept, if you've got too high of a hydrogen bonding, too high of a surface tension, the water, you know, I always use the description of human health. You know, a, a doctor might tell you to drink half your weight in ounces a day uh, of water, not to be dehydrated. But if you get a test for hydration, you can still be dehydrated on, on poor water because it's just irrigating your kidneys and not hydrating your cells. It's not reaching the point. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that idea of, of kind of opening up water's ability to be accessible on a physical level is relevant. And then to your point about, you know, water memory, you know, that the, beyond hydration, water delivers information. Um, you know, it's like the meandering river is how the beginning speaks to the end and vice versa. Uh, so you, you disrupt the ability of living systems to talk to themselves with through subtle energies and the kind of electrical impulses that define life if water is not uh, part of the situation. I mean, as people are probably aware, 70 percent of a child and 50 percent of an adult, at least uh, of your of your body weight is, is water. Uh, so it's there for more than just, you know, kind of holding us upright and, uh, you know, being wet. It's there to facilitate the communication of subtle energies. And uh, as well, insofar as water is concerned, uh, is, is there a need for us to have our water tested if we are on a commercial, uh, you know, or a, a town water supply? Yeah, well, that's a good question. It's yes and no. I mean, you know, I mentioned the, the city water. It's consistently bad. Your, your city should report to you through a mailer or some uh, method. Um, and, and your city may be owned publicly, which uh, my town, Wilmington, North Carolina, used to be, but it was actually mandated to the Cape Fear Public Utility Authority, which is a private organization. And uh, there's some controversy around that, but the, but the bottom line is that they, they have to report to you about the constituents of your water and manage that accordingly, according to their mandate. So, you know, that's the one decent thing about city water. They're at least going to report to you. If you have a well, it's sort of a crapshoot. It could be the best water in the world, and it could be completely contaminated. And there's really no way of knowing without testing it. The problem with testing it is that you, there's not a standardized test for contamination in water. There's so, there's so many potentials for contamination that you really have to, it's kind of a needle in a haystack. You have to go looking for the contamination wow. to find it. So, you know, keep your wits about you. And if you have, you know, if you're on a well and you're having strange issues with uh, your plant growth or, or some scenario that doesn't make sense, or you can see visible residues occurring, um, you know, it's, it's de definitely helpful to send it to a lab and, and try to understand at least the beginnings of, of a type of issue that you might have. And start to send intention to that water coming out of your hoses mm. and out of your faucets. Indeed. Because, you know, 
like I've said on ben, many and other podcasts, there was a point in time where, where we thought the earth was flat. So some concepts may be foreign to some listeners, but just stay open and and what what do any of us really have to lose? Really, all of us have everything to gain, and that's clean water and great food, food and water, everyone, every day. That really is the mantra of Farmyard, and we're going to do it through these little yards, front yards, backyards, side yards, the White House lawn, the Black House lawn, the Green House lawn, right, Evan? Uh, that's the plan, absolutely. Cr- across the country. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks water, for having me. Water, water, be agriculture. We'll have all of Evan's information in the show notes and any of the books that he um, that he mentioned as well. And if you go back two podcasts ago, the First Amendment, soil if you haven't listened to that podcast you may want to do that as well so that you'll get a handle on you know soil testing and the likes so look we want you to be successful right from the get-go thanks an awful lot for listening thank you patreon supporters we could not do it without you I will catch you on the flip side, everyone. And until then, go farm your yard. This podcast is community supported. We thank everyone for tuning in. And a special thank you goes out to all our Patreon supporters. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe and share. You can help support us through Farm Yard, all one word, on patreon.com.